Well, the last thing you want to do is to send people to your sales page right off the bat. They don't even know who you are. That's like walking up to somebody at a party, shaking their hand and saying, hi, would you like to buy my $3,500 mastermind? This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 46. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Campaigns, ad sets, ads, images, copy, creative. Oh, it all gets very confusing working out how to structure your Facebook ads. It does. And here we are back. And welcome to Free Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. Hello, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. And we're really pleased to be back with you. We're talking Facebook ads again. The world is Facebook mad crazy. Mm-hmm. Rob, you're obsessed with them. I'm trying to keep away from them. Why is it such a good platform? Why is everybody loving it? I love the fact that you're able to, and, it, and you have to think about it from a very, very interesting uh, mental standpoint, I think, when you're creating Facebook ads, you have to be able to look at it as, right, how do I create content that people are going to enjoy? How do I create ads that people are going to enjoy looking at as much as they enjoy looking at native content? Is that because of the platform we're showing it to? Because we're showing the ads to people who are on, a, on social media, yeah, yeah. not sell me some stuff. Here's the thing. Let's imagine you're browsing Facebook and you see an interesting news story about something that's happening in your industry. Right. You're very likely to click on that news story and it might take you to the, you know, to the you know, USA Today or the Telegraph website, whatever, and you read an interesting article about something active and current that's happening in your industry that affects you. And you're not just reading it out of panic because you want to know what's going on. You're reading it out of genuine interest because it happens in your market. Okay. Yeah, we have to create campaigns that that create that for people. So when they're browsing, they don't get really pissed off because you've shown them an ad. They look at it and they go, oh, wow, this is, this is really interesting. I need to know this. So they click on it and they read some stuff. Maybe that's a native Facebook post. Maybe that's a blog post. Maybe it's you know, a news article somewhere. That's fine. And then they're now in this process where a lot of people talk about joining the conversation that's already in their head. Okay. And that's kind of what you want to do that way. That, that for me is the, is the nicest it's form like of advertising. Is it like, like newsworthy content almost where it's yeah. like, this is something that's current. It's happening now. So people are going to click on it. Yeah. And this, I mean, obviously in this episode, we're speaking to Sally Hendrick about exactly how, cause it's really easy to get into your Facebook ads and start setting it up and they keep changing stuff around, of course, and figuring out what do I do? How do I set up my different campaigns for different parts of it? Like that's a real stumbling block for a lot of people who are running their own Facebook ads. We're not at that point quite yet of getting somebody else to run them for them. And that's what Sally's really got sort of, she's got a really strict, really similar follow process that we can actually follow through and just duplicate. And that's what we're going to be talking about with Sally in this episode. I think this will really help people who have tried running ads into a sales page or into a landing page before and just found that it doesn't work. The the old thing about Facebook ads don't work because they've run some ads, they've spent a couple of grand or a few hundred dollars driving traffic into a squeeze page, into a landing page, into a webinar page, into a sales page, and they're not getting results and they're not getting an ROI. This is really going to help. It really, really is. Before we get into all of that, I want to give a massive heads up to one of our reviewers on the iTunes this week. Lake's host wrote a lovely five-star review. I want to give you a big shout out saying, it's like listening to a small group of friends having a lighthearted and informative business conversation. Lots of great advice from Rob Kennedy and their guests and very easy listening. Highly recommended unless you're a competitor, in which case, don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Lakes Host. Really appreciate that heads up. If you haven't already and you're listening to this and you haven't left us a review over on iTunes, please do so and do yourself a favor. Let us know what your website address is as well and we'll give you a name check on one of the upcoming episodes. You can review the podcast just by heading over to 
responseweek.com forward slash iTunes. We've made it that easy. Oh, we've made it super duper easy. Before we do get into any more of this, we're going to go over the all important Rob's quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, give a man a mouse and he can eat for a day. Give a man a dead mouse, he will need the mouse. There you go. A little bit of food for thought here today to get your week well on the way. Of course, we know that a lot of our listeners are in the area of bringing people on board with their high ticket or just their the regular old coaching program. If you accept coaching applications and you want to make sure you attract the right kind of applicants and you want to make sure you sort of sense check those people to make sure they're the right kind of people you want to spend some time with when you get them on the phone to see if they're qualified for your coaching program, then you should be using a really good coaching application. That's right. And the other thing that this will allow you to do by asking the right questions, doing it in the right way and everything down to even the right colors to ask and the layout for the page and all that stuff, you'll be able to actually do a lot of the selling work before you get them on the phone as well, which means that that call means you're not only speaking to more qualified people, but actually closing the sale on the phone is much more a case of just taking the payment than it is about doing a big hard sell. And we all know we don't like to be the big hard sellers, do we? So what you need to do is to head over to grab our template. It's We've put it together with like over 10 years of t- trials, testing, perfection, tweaking, other words, tribulation, tribulation, other words relating to testing things. Uh, and we put it all together for you into a handy dandy PDF. It's really cool. Actually, it's very, very cool. It's uh, much more detailed than you think you're gonna, it's going to be. People have been saying to us who've been downloading it by the bucket loads, by the way, uh, they've been saying how we should be charging for this damn thing. And we probably should have done, but you could go and grab it now. It's totally free. It's loaded with all the psychology about why we ask the questions and what, what kind of questions you should be asking. You'll find it over at perfectapplicationform.com. That's perfect application form. Dot com. Grab it for free right now. Well, that's enough of us. Let's chat to Sally. Let's chat to her. Sally, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We are very excited to have you here, aren't we, Rob? We are now. Sally, you are a Facebook whiz kid. Is that right? Like Wizard. Oh, Wizard. No, that's not a woman name, is it? <laughs> sure. Wizard. Sure, you can call it that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about Facebook ads. Now, I know loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of people, and I was one of them a few years ago, who thought, right, Facebook ads, this is great. I'm going to throw up an ad. I'll be getting loads of traffic by this afternoon, and then I'll and retire. Oops, sales by the morning. And then what I think loads of people do is they say, Facebook ads don't work because I set up a Facebook ad. I drove the Facebook ad into my Facebook, uh, sorry, into my sales page, and then nobody bought the thing, right? Just right. Because people said they're interested in meditation. I've got a product about meditation. Those two things should add up and it doesn't work out. So let's talk about the kind of, you've got a really cool structure and a framework for how Facebook ads should be done. So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, the last thing you want to do is to send people to your sales page right off the bat. They don't even know who you are. That's like walking up to somebody at a party, shaking their hand and saying, hi, would you like to buy my $3,500 mastermind? So (laughs) really an odd way to get to know somebody. So one of the first things that you want to do is to raise awareness about who you are and tell the story behind why you do what you do. Interesting. It's the story behind why. Yes. The why. The why behind what you do. Like the passion. Why did you get into the business that you're in? Why are you you know, in business to solve this particular problem? 
Okay, cool. So we'll break each of these down as we in a minute. But the first one's going to be raising awareness. That makes a lot of sense, just getting people to know that you exist in the first place. What's the next one? So we can kind of see where this goes. The next step is consideration. This is where you hear people talk about get having a lead magnet and wanting to, to capture that email address, which is very important. And the third one? And the third one is conversion. That's when you get into the actual sales and talk about what your program is about or your product. Now, this makes a lot of sense because what that means is in the example that I just gave, what most marketers try and do is they try and do all three steps in one go. In other words, the advert is kind of their, their attempt at awareness. Their sales page, I guess, the headline and stuff is their attempt at consideration. And then the, the call to action at the end of the sales letter, that's their attempt at conversion. They're trying to do all three things in one go. It's like some kind of, is it a, well, a shotgun wedding where it's like, hello, nice to meet you, let's get married. <laughs> so I guess what you're kind of implying is that what they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to you know, jumpstart that process. They're trying to skip over the difficult legwork stuff just in the hope of an easy result. So let's talk about how that actually works. I guess that then becomes three sets of ads instead of just one ad. It's three sets of ads with, with those objectives in mind. Um, you have to also remember, though, that in the lead generation phase where you're doing the lead magnet and you're capturing someone's email address, you also have to nurture those people to get to know you. You have to show them how you are the authority in what you're doing. So it's a little bit more than just the lead magnet. You might uh, follow up, follow that up with a few more ads that show that you know what you're doing. Okay, so let's zoom all the way back to that awareness phase. So one of the big things I noticed that you said there is it's talking about why you got into this. You've got this passion. Why are you passionate about it? Why is it important right now? But one of the things that we're told, you know, marketing 101 is that it should all be about them. It should all be about what's in it for me rather than about you. How do you do both of those things? How do you actually create a bit of content which isn't just like, well, oh, that's nice for you? When Whenever you are talking to someone, you ask them, have you ever had this problem? Have you ever had this thing come about? And, and then you tell why you got into it in the first place. And it turns it around and makes it, a, it about them. And you can just give an example. And that example, even if it's not your own story, it could be an example of case studies that you have. Okay. So, so obviously, we're going to tap into the storytelling thing. That's really powerful, especially on Facebook, because it is interruption marketing. People are scrolling through and they're looking for stories about people's lives. That's why we're on social media, to participate and observe other people's stories. So it makes sense that the first point of contact is going to be the story. Whenever we talk to anyone about Facebook ads, one of the big questions that we always have is, but what does the structure of that actually look like? So when, when you've got that awareness phase, and all you're trying to do is just get people's attention, say, look, here's, here's who I am, here's what I do, and here's why you should listen, this is why you should become aware of me. What does that campaign structure look like? So you've got this, camp is it one campaign designed to get that with a bunch of different ad sets? Like, what is that content that we should be posting? And, and how do we structure that ad campaign, that bit of the ad campaign? I like to do three to five different videos. And the videos, if you're not necessarily talking on video, you can also do slideshows. Um, as long as there's something that's moving, because it's a way for Facebook to be able to um, tell... You have a way to be able to build audiences out of video that you don't with you know static posts. Okay. And... Um, I like to get five of them going first and to gather 
the people who have been watching those videos into audiences so that you can then hit them up again with your lead magnet. And so do you dump all of those videos as five different ads inside one ad set, which is one group of, of interest and stuff? Or do you like have a different ad set for each one? How, how do you break that stuff down? I do have different ad sets for each one um, because it's easier to test the difference between those. And Facebook, a lot of times, will pick a winner. If you put everything under the same ad set, Facebook will pick a winner early in the game and then they won't even serve the other videos at all. So it's kind of a waste. So if you separate it out by ad set, then it would be a true split test. Okay, cool. So what we're basically trying to do is take the coolest audiences you can think of on Facebook, the people who maybe just like the general topic. So maybe they follow the gurus or the experts or the authors in your space. Maybe they attend the, you know, the associations and the meetups and the whatever. They read the publication. Exactly. And that's just designed to warm those people up. And and are you running anything else to those audiences or literally just these five videos? Just these five videos at this stage. Okay. That's really interesting. So we're now going to take some of that audience and we're going to move them into the consideration phase. So one of the reasons I'm reading between the lines, so uh, tell me off if I'm being naughty here, but I'm assuming one of the reasons that you're using video is because you can measure the percentage of engagement somebody has had with the video. So what percentage would you then move them into a new custom audience of, of having engaged with that primary content, that initial first phase content, would you then target them with that second phase? I would actually target anyone who watched the first 10 seconds of the videos. Wow, that's interesting. So you're not talking about 50% here. You're just talking about someone seeing that very first 10 seconds. What's your thinking behind that? Well, the thinking behind that is that you're not a complete stranger to them. Usually the ones who just scroll on past, those are the three second views and you can't really count on that as someone having any memory at all. But if they watch 10 seconds, then they're going to at least have some touch with the brand. And it doesn't matter if it's just a quick touch or if they watch the entire thing. How long? Okay, I'm going to just skip back one second then, being a terrible interviewer. I'm going to ask you how long those videos are then. Those videos are usually around a minute, no more than two minutes. And it's nice if they're Well, it looks like Instagram just recently changed their parameters from one to two minutes. Okay. If you want to run it on Instagram, it's got to be below two minutes. Okay, so that's really cool. And uh, is the is the video designed to like teach something? Like, is there content in it, or is it content that's driven by by just by the story? In other words, is it story that also teaches them something, or is it just your story? It doesn't have to teach them something. Usually, it's case studies and it's uh, just stories that you do in that first phase because you're you're going to talk about the how in the second phase in the consideration. That's cool. Just, doing the what in that very first thing and have you found just in all the ones that all the campaigns you've run sally have you found that high production videos outperform sort of handheld sort of ghetto kind of videos have you found any particular patterns that i don't know sitting still talking at the desk work better than being out and about like give us some of your sort of sneaky insider of this is the videos that are kind of working really well for me I think as long as the structure of your video is to the point and doesn't go on and on and, you know, drag people through too long of the story, then you don't need to worry about so much the production of it. In fact, it can take away from the why phase or the brand awareness phase if your video is too produced. 
I guess as well, on top of that, if part of the goal of this is almost to, well, partially to allow them to see some of themselves in you, which I think it probably is, mm-hmm. like you want that, the story to connect. Obviously, if you've got some flashbang, wallop, Steven Spielberg type production going on with your Ferrari driving around, Spielberg, <laughs> Spielberg, uh, <laughs> driving around um, with uh, a Ferrari or something, then I think that like that might, that may be a disconnect for some people who, who don't have that. I think that's something to do with the platform as well, like with all advertising, we've got to think about the platform we're presenting it on. And because people are seeing this inside of, of Facebook, you want it almost to look like native content that yeah. somebody's just uploaded rather than a production. Mm, I think so. Yes. It needs to appear more like a, stat, a status update. Yeah, that makes yeah. that makes perfect. Which is great, by the way, dear listener, because that means less work and money for you. To Absolutely. Just whack your phone out and crack on with it. <laughs> Love that. All right. So, so we've now got people who've watched 10% of our one to two minute videos. 10 seconds. Sorry, yes. yes 10, 10, 10 seconds, <laughs> idiot. Well corrected. Yes. 10 seconds of your one to two minute videos. That's good. We've got five of those, each in a different ad set, inside of a single... Yeah. Oh, so I, you've I, just raised your hand. I've just thought, I've got a, I've got a question. I've got a question. Uh-huh. So... Uh-huh. And here's a question that I know people will have right now. So they say, okay, great. I'm going to record three or four or five, three or four or five videos. I'm going to run cool traffic to them. I'm going to build an audience for people who've watched 10 seconds. Happy days. Great. Now, the next step, which we're about to move into, is going to be to run different ads to them to get them to do something else. And Sally's going to fill us in on that in a second. But first of all, I guess the question is, people will be asking, do I have to wait until those audiences are a particular size? So for example, uh, should I be waiting until I've got at least, I don't know, 5,000 people in those audiences before I start? Because obviously that, that starts to build quite a lot of spend without making any money back mm. before you start running the ads that might get you some subscribers or sales or whatever. So do you have to wait a while? Is there an optimum size at which those audiences become marketable? As far as retargeting, no, you don't really have to wait that long because Facebook will send an ad out to an audience as low as 20 people. Okay. Right. And so is there just... a point at which like the, the, um, let, let's imagine you're going to start your retargeting out ad on like $5 a day or something super cheap. Like is, is $5 a day too much to have as a budget if you've only got 20 or 30 people? In other words, are you going to find that your cost per conversion on the next step is too high if that audience is too small? Well, what you need to do is you need to limit your audience to be, they watch this video in the last seven days, for example. And so then you send your your ads to those people. And then that way, they don't keep getting the same ads over and over again so that the frequency won't get too high. Okay, cool. Okay, because obviously when the frequency gets too high, it becomes overexposed and that price goes up. Okay, interesting. All right, so let's go to that next stage. So we've now got our 10-second our, our club, which you'll call them affectionately now. We've got our 10-second club. We've got them in, a, in an audience. How are we going to present the, the, the opt-in, this, this thing for consideration? Is it good to go out, them, go out them with this video, with this advert being a video? Or should this be more static? Like, what should that ad look like? I find that this phase that um, either a quick gift type video or just an image works best to get people to sign up for a download. Interesting. And that image, do you find it's best if it's like a photo of you holding the opt-in or just like one of those, I don't know, like uh, vector images or a picture of... What have you found is really good? Actually, I think that stock photos still work well in this phase, but you can also do a photo of you if you wanted to and then have some word some copy on the image with it but i would try 
three to five different images of different types. Okay, so just test that across the different sets as well. We're going to interrupt proceedings right now to play the first of two games of this episode. (laughs) That's right. This is called Robin Kennedy's Price is Right. Uh, Basically, what we're going to do, we're going to give you a a simple statistic about Facebook ads, as we found on the internet, uh, and so it must be true. And what we'd like you to do is to guess, as we give you each statistic, whether or not they are higher or lower in percentage. Yes, than the previous one. So we're going to start you off with the, uh, we can tell you now, we found on this statistic that the average CTR for Facebook ads is 0.9%. So that's your starting one, 0.9%. So the next stat is the percentage of social media advertisers who are using Facebook ads. The percentage of social media advertisers <laughs> using Facebook ads. Do you think that is higher or lower than 0.9%? <laughs> it's higher. It is higher. It yes. Is. Cheers in the background. It's actually a ninety-three percent. That's good. Okay. So wow, that's gone up. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. So uh, here we go. Next one is uh, is it higher or lower than ninety-three percent? Is it images? Images account for what percentage of Facebook advertising performance? Is it higher or lower than ninety-three percent? It's lower. It is lower. Crowd goes wild again. It's 75 to 90%. Bit of a a range there. (laughs) And there's a bit of a range. The next one. The the percentage of marketers using Facebook advertising regularly. Is that higher or lower than 75 to 90%? I'd say lower. The last figure I knew was about 63%. Good news for Facebook and their share prices. It's higher at 93%. It's gone up. It's gone up. I need to update my slides. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Next, the percentage of Facebook's mobile ad revenue from Instagram. Do you think it's higher or lower than 93%? The percentage of Facebook's mobile ad revenue from Instagram. Um, Higher or lower than 93%? Yeah. From Instagram, it's got to be higher. I mean, Instagram is on mobile. It's actually lower and yeah. considerably lower too. It's only 20%. Can you believe it? No still has that massive margin Isn't on that it. Isn't that incredible? Good. I never would have guessed that myself. Okay, penultimate round for you now. So you've got 20% there sitting ready. The okay. organic reach of branded Facebook pages. Is it higher or lower than 20%? Lower. It is. It's only 2%. Oh, yeah. 2%. And finally, the percentage of Facebook users engaging with brands regularly on Facebook. Is it higher or lower than 2%? Higher. Higher. It is. We've got 32% on that one. I'm not surprised you got so many of those right, because obviously you're a, you're a, you love your stats, don't you, Sally? Oh, yes, I do. I was a statistician for 25 years. The only reason I didn't say that word is because I can't pronounce it. Statistician. Oh. <laughs> I just sound silly. Statistician. There you go. So let's chat a little bit about this. What I, lo- what I love about this framework that we're, we're unraveling and giving the listeners here is that they only really have to focus on each campaign doing one tiny little kind of step forward. Each campaign just has to get them to do one thing. So they've got a, a campaign that's just designed to get engagement. They've got the next campaign that's just designed to push people over the edge and get them to opt in for that lead magnet or presumably register for that webinar or do anything that involves some sort of engagement with you. Exactly. So that's, so that's really cool. That's a really nice place to be. And just to just to clarify, I think I know the answer, but just to clarify, in that ad set where, or that campaign where you're pushing people into your lead magnet or your webinar or whatever that is, you're not running any cool traffic at all. Is that right? Or do you still run a little bit, but mostly, like, do you give any budget at all to cool traffic at that point? 
sometimes we do give budget to cold traffic because it depends on where you are in the phase of warming up the initial traffic. And sometimes your lead magnet is at a point that cold traffic will interact with it. So you have to test both. That's interesting. Okay. All right. So we're going to take people who are through the consideration phase right now. Yeah. Is there anything else that goes into that consideration phase or is that just the phase where you're giving? And I'll tell you one of the things I'm gagging to know is are there particular lead magnets which you are finding work really, really well? Because I remember back in the day, it was all about the old white paper and then people were doing like little apps you could like plug in. And And there was a period of time where the thing to give away was like my 42 module video course. And then it went from that to like a one page checklist. Yeah. So what's what's the kind of sweet spot? What's hot right now? The one-page checklist. <laughs> really? That yeah. thing's still working really well, is it? It's still working. Wow, that's interesting. I think it's because it's high. It's just high consumption, isn't it? Like, I'm going to bring that, find out what I'm doing well, find out what I'm doing badly, easy to consume. I don't need to go through 92 hours of Robert telling me how to <laughs> run a bloody Facebook ad. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes, this is, this is very cool. So uh, we've got this process now. Is, now. is there anything that you do other than having people opt in for that free thing? Is there anything that you do in order to like push consumption of that free thing or do anything else with it? Or is it literally when somebody's opted in and giving you their email address, we're now full throttle to put them into a new audience and sell them the next and sell them the, next, the, the first bit of the sale, I suppose. What's, what's next? Well, you can always retarget people who landed on your landing page but didn't did not sign up. That's one way of retargeting. Nice. Another way to make sure they consume the content is to send a follow-up email that asks them to go ahead and download if they didn't before. And some email programs are sophisticated enough to be able to know if they downloaded or not. And also, though, in this phase, you've got to nurture people and show them more information about how you do business because even though they've gotten in, they may not necessarily be warmed up to thinking that you're the authority. Okay, cool. And do you, when you said, that's really interesting, when you said retarget people who land on the squeeze page or the landing page but don't opt in, where do you retarget them? Back to the same landing page or do you like consider them like they didn't want that? They clicked and didn't want it, so we'll send them somewhere else now. Well, you might just retarget them with a little bit different information but send them back to the same landing page. Okay. Make the ad a little bit different so that they see new content. Okay, so it like gives them another reason to step over that threshold. Well, one, one of the things you've got to remember is we don't know the reason they left that page. They might have just think you might they might have just clicked on that ad and thought this is going to be great, and then like their kid throws up spaghetti hoops all over the wall, and you're like, oh, I'll come back to that in a second. You come back, the other kids sat on the keyboard, close down your Mac. It's all gone. It's all gone pear shaped. You, you don't know the reason they left that page. Yeah. So let's think this through for a second. Let's think about this being like two cogs that sort of roll inside and move around within each other. So you've got the first one and you sort of drop people on. I'm thinking of some like old uh, old cartoon that I watched as a kid with like some magic machine and a gold mining thing. Anyway, so you've got something happening. It's being dropped into the first cog and that's building that first bit of momentum. That's grabbing those people who are just sort of milling around on the internet and saying, look, this is me, this is who I am. As soon as they get into that, they're now in that audience, that's great, they've watched 10 seconds of one or more of your videos, mm. and now you're going to put them into that next phase. Is there a sort of, um, is there a particular placement or device that you find works really well? So for example, I don't know if this is still true, but a few years ago, we heard that if you want somebody to opt in for something, that's going to work better on mobile. If you want something to buy something, you're actually better off targeting them when they're on their desktop. Is, is there still like, is there still like rules around that, rules of thumb around that? Or is it or is it not? Honestly, you have to test it. To be able to know, you have to just set it up separately so that maybe one goes to mobile and one goes to desktop. Mm-hmm. A lot of 
So you won't see a huge difference in those. And so I've just let them go through the feeds. In fact, Facebook has made it so that whenever you advertise on Facebook, it's going to go through both and you can't split it out. Oh, wow. Wow, that's interesting. I suppose now, because buying behaviors, we are getting more and more used to purchasing on our phone. A couple of years ago, it was very much we browsed on our phones, but we wouldn't take our credit cards out and put it into our phone, whereas obviously tech has moved on now. And I mean, we've got Apple Pay on phones now or Samsung, whatever their equivalent is. You can take a picture of your Samsung card now and it, and it zooms it straight in. So that, that I can see why that's all becoming more efficient, which is, yeah. which is awesome. So uh, we're going to now roll into our second and favorite game of the episode, What Kennedy Sing. Here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here, hello, that's him, is going to sing a song for you. Now, he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British club singer, which means that the words may be somewhat confused or disguised. It's a well-known song. I think we'll all know what it is. Your job, Sally and dear listener, is simply to guess what Kennedy sings. Here we go. If it's in between a pindy and teddy it's in bed, it's in bed, Sally, what do you think it might have been? That was pretty good. I have no clue. What? I I, I think think the first bit was pretty good. The chorus went a bit ropey. Did you think? Yeah, the chorus is distinctly ropey. So, Kennedy's going to be on the X Factor next year. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put you out of your misery and tell you what the song was at the end of the episode. So So now let's move on with that third phase. So we've spent all that money up front. We've got awareness. We've got their consideration. Now we've got them opted in. How are we going to move them into that all-important sale? This is when you want to talk about who your offer's for, who it's not for, maybe overcome three objections that you normally get from people when you're in that sales call. So this is where you go over that in the close phase. You also talk a little bit about what your program is. Even though they've been to your sales page, you want to maybe further clarify more about what your program is. This is the what phase of advertising. Is there a sort of a price point that works well for this? So for example, there's the old thing that everyone was doing for a while where it was a free gift of a lead magnet or description. And then it had to be a product that was no more expensive than about $12 or $7. And then it couldn't go up much higher than that. Like there was, there was, there were like these self-imposed price limits that we all gave ourselves. Is that still the case right now? Or do you have many cases with yourself or clients where that product that you're selling people at this point is like $100, $500, $1,000? Like, Is there a price limit here? I would say anything under $300 at this point would be appropriate. A lot of people still do use the tripwire concept where it's a product that's under $50, you know, around $30, $12, 9 whatever put out there. But yeah. a lot of people do move into the $100 to $300 range at this point and that's successfully great. do that. That's interesting. And what type of media are you using at that point? Because I know in the first phase, we're very much about video. Second one, you said some kind of gif or, or maybe some kind of nice product image. What kind of ad really works really well at that sort of that purchase phase? I would try both. You try video and also try, you know, static images as well. That's interesting. And do you take them back to that same one, that same one sales page? Or do you, for example, if you're overcoming an objective, uh, an objection, if you're overcoming that objection, would you take them to a specific sales page which is framed around that just to keep that sort of trail coming through or is it all going straight back to that one same sales page you can go straight to the sales page or if you feel like 
they need a little bit more, you could send them to a video on another landing page and then have the button below to go back to the sales page. Um, It helps you to find out who has been that far in your funnel and then you could actually retarget those people again too. I flip and love this structure, by the way. This is really, really cool, yeah. And it it very much echoes the way that we think about marketing as well. So this is is awesome. But this is just a, yeah, really specific. Here's here's a big question, I suppose, that will help to wrap all of this together. Somebody's got their three phases and they're going to go out and they're going to record those free videos that they can put up on the internet, on Facebook. They're going to go out and they're going to create their lead magnet and put it on a landing page. They're going to create their paid product and that's all great. Maybe people have all of those things, but they're just not put in this structure yet. Now that they've got it in that structure, after listening to this, and they've got, a set amount of money that they're able to invest into their Facebook ads. How do you break that down? So let's imagine somebody's got, I don't know, $1,000, which would equally scale down to $100 or it would scale up to $10,000. What percentage of it should they be spending on the first phase so that they have enough left over to do the second phase effectively and and then left over for the third phase as well? How do you break that down? Break down the budget, yeah. A really easy breakdown is to say 25% at the beginning, 50% in the middle, and then 25% at the end. Great. We made that easy for us. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So this is really, really great. I really like this. I love this. I absolutely love this. Okay. Well, this this has been absolutely great. And we want to close off another great episode by going straight into what we lovingly call the quickfire round. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So first of all, Sally, give us a book that you recommend. A book that I recommend. I like Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. Very cool. Me too. Love it. What's your top success habit? Something you do regularly? I get up and get ready for the day rather than work in my pajamas. (laughs) I hear you. Uh, Who do you look up to? Um, I would used to, I would say my mother, but she, she died last year. What are your favorite apps that you think are really super cool? Well, of course I use the Facebook ads app. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And Facebook, course. obviously. Is that anything outside Tesla, of Facebook? Uh, Tesla app. I love that one. Oh, very oh, cool. That, that'd be fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you, here's a big, important question, Sally, so think very carefully. Who do you like more, redhead Rob or platinum-haired Kennedy? Oh, that's that's unfair. Correct. <laughs> but I'll have, to, I'll have to go with red hair because I have three red-haired daughters. There what? we go. Don't you want a little bit of variety? <laughs> Finally, tell us, please, Sally, where can folks go to find out more about you? They should go to socialmediatrafficschool.com. Socialmediatrafficschool.com. That's the place to find out more about you. Thank you so much. Before we let you go, we need to put you out of your misery and figure out which song I was miserably trying to <laughs> sing. Uh, the, the, song that, the song that Rob pulled up on the, on the screen literally moments before it came out of my mouth was, of course, you'll kick yourself, I'm a Believer by the Monkees. Oh, there you go. And you looked like Shrek as you were singing it. And it's from it's in Shrek as the first song. Hate you sometimes. So there you go. <laughs> Sally, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come and share this with our audience today. It's been amazing. Thanks, thank Sally. you. Go, Sally. Go, go, go. That's uh, Sally's little theme tune there. It copyright, is. Copyright Robert Temple. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It was really good. Just what a good getting- chat. Yeah, really, really good chat. Smart doing it out there. And what was your big takeaway? So the thing that I like is the peace of mind that having a structure like that gives you because it's a little bit like 
layering a cake, right? Oh, great. So, now you've got me interested. See, I'll put this together. So here's <laughs> what I think is people get so overwhelmed by all the stuff you've got to do with Facebook ads to keep it right. And what she has is this really nice system. So first of all, you create the base layer of the cake, right? And what I mean by that is that's just running the cold audiences into content, right? Really simple content. And I'm doing this sort of swimming motion. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah laying, laying the, the foundations. Right. And then that, and what I like about it is, you could, if you wanted to, just let, let that run for a little while and build up a nice little audience and you can watch it happening. It doesn't cost very much money. In fact, I've been doing this after listening to Tidy's interview. I've been doing this with one of my clients this week and he is gaining views of video of a video put on Facebook to cold audiences in a really obscure niche for less than a, well, basically it's less than a cent each. What? It's, it's displaying as a cent on Facebook. But That's actually, amazing. if you take the number of views and divide it by the cost, it's actually less than a cent. But it's, it's so super, super cool. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, so it basically it spent like five, $5, just under $5, and it had got over 500 views of this video Holy moly. in the first couple of hours. So like super, super powerful. And that's just like running, and it's like this lovely little thing. And then as soon as you're ready, you just layer the next bit on, which is, okay, great. Well, now I've got this landing page, so I'm going to retarget those people into that, and that just sits nicely on top. And it's kind of just a really nice structured approach. Okay, great. Now I'm going to run another ad to the people who opted in, but they didn't buy. And it's just this really easy thing. And at any point, if there's a bit that's not working, you just take that little layer off. And you redesign that you layer redesign and build it back up again. And there's some really real peace good. of mind. And what's really nice about doing that, it really supports what we talked to David Schloss about back in episode nine of the podcast. If you haven't already listened to that, find it on your player. It's really worth a listen, or you can find it at blog.responsuite.com slash zero nine was it zero zero nine? zero zero nine zero zero nine wow that was a long time ago wasn't it yeah. so david's lost episode back in episode number nine it, this really really supports that getting that real crystal clarity on how to structure that and how just to go back and like because it's not always going to work every single time it probably isn't going to work the first time and just be able to take that layer off and just say actually this is and david has that nice structure about well how many ad sets should you have in an ad yes. in a campaign and then how many well, ads in an ad set. Together, you really have got some really work you really really have of course you can check out the entire show notes of this episode with sally you'll find that over at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero four six. Sally Hendrick. Ooh, what an absolute superstar. Of course, if you haven't already, we'd love to read your reviews over on iTunes. Go over, go over to responsesuite.com slash iTunes. Leave us a review or just pop into your iTunes player and leave us a review there. And we will give you a name check and a shout out next week. We'll be back in the future which is next week. <laughs> we'll see you on Monday. We'll see you on Monday. We're going to go happening. for a lie down. I'm going I'm to go and take something. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesweet.com. <laughs>